0: Hello and welcome to episode 17 of The List Makers for another big and fun topic. This is of course a mini podcast from The Doctor Who Show. We take a top five topic, we each create our lists and then we discuss them and hopefully have a good chat. Today's topic is top five target novels. I'm Dave. I'm Rob. And welcome back for our 17th episode yes yes we've done so many of
1: these already it's amazing
0: it, it has and we've still got so many topics we can do and <laughs> listeners do. please do send in if you have ideas for topics i know we've had a couple of listener topics so far already
1: Mm-hmm. yes
0: rob top five target novels there's only about 160 something to choose from
1: <laughs> <laughs> but i reckon we'll have snaps dave
0: how many snaps do you reckon we're gonna have
1: i reckon three
0: three very very possible looking at my list um Four's not out of the question. Uh, but it's your turn to go first.
1: All right, I'll be the sacrificial lamb. <laughs> In at number five, I'm going with Earthshock by Ian Marta. I feel Ian Martyr is a bit of a forgotten man when it comes to target novels. Everyone talks about Uncle Terrence, and then there's the authors who novelise their own scripts, and people quite rightly find them fascinating, you know, because they're novelising their own scripts. Yet, the fact that Harry Sullivan himself also wrote some of the novels, and wrote them in a damn good way too, seems to pass people by. I know people listening to this are probably throwing things at their car stereo and saying, duh, Rob, of course I know Ian Marder. And and yes, you do. But broadly, he's not a name I see people go on about with regard to the Target novels. And that's such a shame because he writes them so well, as I said. So I could have really picked any of the novels here, but I went with Earthshock because it's a Devo story I liked. There, full stop. But truly, the There's a ton of differences between the book and the TV episode. Many of them you have to know the TV story inside out to really detect that, oh, that lines with another character, or, oh, that character's acting differently in that scene. But one overriding thing is that the Cybermen aboard the freighter are actually very, very hard to kill, and I think that's far more realistic as to what Cybermen are, but I understand why on TV they just have to be zapped and then it's on to the next scene, but... Anyway, true, true. Moving on to number four. Number I've, four. I've gone with the Massacre by John Luca Rotti. This is an interesting one, and a backstory that I didn't really know at all when I was an early teen in the late '80s and reading this the first time. But basically, John Luca Rotti was pretty unhappy with the TV version of the Massacre, which was heavily rewritten by the script editor of the time, which was Donald Tosh. When the chance to novelise the story came up, Luca Rotti couldn't actually go back to his original scripts as they were gone, and he didn't fancy novelising the story as it existed, you know, because the audio exists, because that was Tosh's version, to his mind. So he did something pretty wild. When you think about it, he started again researching and then effectively writing a whole new story set in the same period. So little did I know as a kid, but this wonderful story I was reading wasn't really the great (laughs) lost story at all. And in a particular way, you could say it's one of the first or maybe the first original Doctor Who novel not based on a TV story. It even starts and ends with the Doctor explaining his actions to the Time Lords. So, you know, it's a very different beast to what the real story was like.
0: It is. Number three.
1: Number three, Remembrance of the Daleks by Ben Aronovich. This has to be here because just as it was part of a real upswing for the TV stories, it's important as a novel too. Like the Curse of Fenric novelization, Aronovich was given unlimited word count. And with Peter Darville Evans now editing the range and with the new adventures also kicking off under him, his writers were encouraged to take a more adult-oriented approach so... If you like Remembrance on TV the novel is like Remembrance the special edition or the uncut edition you know that sort of thing characters get backgrounds the countermeasures group is explained further the Daleks are deadlier and they do cool things they couldn't do properly on TV I think one drives through a wall you know chasing after the Doctrine Ace that's so cool there's even some Davros backstory and and what it's like to be on the surface of Skaro when the hand of Omega obliterates it you know it's not just a little flash on the screen so yeah if the TV story thrills you and you've never read this book please do so in at number 2 the mythmakers by donald cotton donald cotton's two stories are of course the mythmakers and the gunfighters and both of them were novelized by him in the 1980s and in the case of both he tried to be really inventive with how he retold the stories this isn't some 120 page bang it out you know uncle terrence special indeed here he has the book narrated by homer Yes, Homer of the Odyssey fame and, and, and told entirely from his point of view Meaning there are scenes that were in the TV version That can't be in the novel Because they'd make no sense Because Homer isn't there to sort of see it And narrate it Or I, I say Homer but He's actually playing the mute character Cyclops From the story It'll all make sense if, you've, if you know <laughs> the myth makers uh, This kind of first person storytelling Is very rare in the target range So it stands out for that as well But why it makes my list is Let's face it, the myth makers is one of those missing stories that intrigues people. And although we have the audio, tele-snaps are non-existent and very little footage shot by fans off their TV exists with their old home movie cameras. So it's really this great missing thing that we get to have some insight through the novel by the guy who wrote it. I think that's really cool. And finally, Dave, in at number one, I've been talking long on these because I love all of them. The Auton Invasion by Terence Dix. This is an easy choice, and I'll be surprised if we don't snap on this, Dave, because it's Terrence's first Doctor Who novelisation, and in some ways it was probably his best. While a lot of his target work, as I've sort of hinted at earlier, was just grabbing a script and stretching it out, adding a little bit of whatever's needed to get a result, you know, a 120-page special... This first time around, I get the sense he's like, right, I get to go crazy here and write a novel. So he starts off with the War Games, the end of the War Games, and goes from there, and he fleshes it out in this marvellous way. And, I mean, it's a great story to begin with, but Uncle Terence turns it into something else that you really have to read to believe that Terence could do this stuff. And, oh, God, whether the later stuff suffered because he was so busy and just had to churn it out, or whether it was a case of, Oh, I really don't have to put that much effort into these each time and the results are perfectly fine. I don't know. Maybe a bit of each, but this is a target novelisation. Everyone should find a copy of, second-hand copy, and read it, Dave. Wow, that's a strong list. Oh, I need a beer after that.
0: <laughs> uh, we have a snap.
1: A uh, snap? art uh, snap. Oh, this will be really interesting then.
0: It will. Now, I've imposed a rule on myself. I don't know whether you have also impose this rule or it's just coincidence that Mm -hmm. you have followed this rule but once again as we did a couple of months ago i'm not going to tell you the rule until i get to the end of my list okay so my list starts also with a terence dicks also in season seven as it happens and that is ambassadors of death oh great now you spoke about the Terran Sticks novels he did before he sort of was doing literally 10, 11, 12 books a year. And Mm -hmm. I'm talking here about the novels that he was doing after that period, where more of the authors were doing their own work, particularly the McCoy and the Colin Baker era authors, they were mostly doing their own work. So he had a lot more time to actually get stuck into his commissions. And I think The Ambassadors of Death is one of those ones that really is the benefit for it. There is a lot of adventure in that story. There's also a lot of character in that story. There are a lot of people with very different and real motivations in that story. And Dix really fleshes that out and makes it all work in a really effective manner. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to highlight Terence Dix there with Ambassadors of Death. Number four... And really, it's 4A and 4B, because that is The Daleks' Master Plan Volumes 1 and 2 by John Peel. Nice. Now, Rob, you may remember there was a time when the target novelizations were getting towards the end, and there were a lot of Dalek stories that were missing because, mm. A, Terry Nation had to give approval to use the Daleks, and then the individual authors, Saywood and Whitaker and Nation, all had to give permission and those ducks were not aligning mm. until John Peel somehow befriended Terry Nation and suddenly he was able to do the chase and the Daleks master plan and then eventually got the Whitaker estate to agree and did power and evil as well but yeah. this was a big deal in fandom and they are such good novels. Peel uses the two volumes to really again flesh out the Daleks Master Plan, to again give that real sense of adventure, that real epic galactic adventure that is the Daleks Master Plan. Peel gets the Daleks. Yeah. He, 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 does. He, he loves the Daleks. He he has in his own mind a way that the Daleks are set up and how their society works and how their hierarchy works and, and he really gets into it and that makes for a really strong adventure. Number three is one you mentioned but wasn't on your list and Mm -hmm. that is The Curse of Fenric by Ian Briggs. Okay, yep. Look, just as you mentioned with Remembrance of the Daleks, this is the original author coming back and really putting extra work and effort into his story. He's adding in scenes that didn't make the televised version. He's adding character backstory that you know just couldn't um, be put onto the television screen. Um, A lot of the sort of the... Discussions about the uh, the sins of characters' pasts, mm-hmm. um, whether it's the women, whether it's the men, things they've done for which they might be judged by society and therefore by the Hamovors is all in there. It gives backstory to Fenric that really adds a lot of depth. And besides that, it's just a really good, gripping adventure and another one of those strong McCoy stories. Mm-hmm. Which brings us to our snap. Yes. I think this was inevitable I think if you said to our listeners which book are they both have to have on this list it would be Remembrance of the Daleks by <laughs> Ben Aronovich. I can again remember being in fandom when this book hit the shelves and it almost was disgusting whispered hushed tones have you read Remembrance of the Daleks yet? no, you must mm-hmm. go get it now, you must read this it was a big deal then. It's still a big deal now, for all the reasons you said. Look, it's a cracking adventure. Even on television, we we both rated as one of the top sort of ten, fifteen stories of all time. Yeah, and 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 it it is. Look, everything you say is what I want to say. You use all my examples. The, <laughs> Apologies. The, the backstory of Gavros is really effective. That that moment where they give him the suicide button because they decide no one could live looking like he lives, but his will to conquer gets him through. The mm. moment of the uh, the leopards on Scarra looking up and seeing the sky melt.
1: Just oh yeah,
0: really effective bits of writing uh, yep. that 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 both of us have independently remembered and brought out. So that just shows what what these bits. Are like um, mm. really really good number one okay. is by Malcolm Hulk and it is The Cave Monsters
1: <laughs> now, uh, great
0: I don't know whether this is my number one target book because it's my favourite Doctor Who story or I don't know whether it became my favourite Doctor Who story in part because the novelisation was so good and added so much to the television but I think there is a little bit of um, chicken and egg happening in, in, in all this Malcolm Hogg is an extraordinarily good writer. He wrote some excellent TV stories and wrote many, many good target books. In The Cave Monsters, he again does all his best things in even more depth. You get not just individual characters of the Silurians, but you get to understand each one of them. But the thing that really makes this book for me... Are all those little character flashes that are not? Mm. Uh, they're not additions to what's on screen. They're expansions of what's on screen. Major Baker on screen, we get the little moment of you know why? Why is he so diligent and so exasperating? And well, he had a little trouble a while back. He's trying to make up for it. In the book, we learn yeah. what that trouble was. Yeah. The character of Miss Dawson on the screen, we get a bit of a hint that. She and Dr. Quinn are maybe friends and maybe she'd like to be something more. In the book, we expand upon all that. We understand what her life has been like and why she's clinging on to this Mm -hmm. friendship with Dr. Quinn, even as he's doing some crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, One of the oft quoted and more memorable lines that Miss Dawson has where they're talking about her backstory is that line about she's not quite sure when in her life People went from asking her, when will you get married, to why didn't you get married? But she knows it happened. And that's just, you know, a really good example of writing of a really classic adventure. So there are nine picks. Rob, what do you think my rule was that you either deliberately or inadvertently also followed? I'm
1: at a loss, Dave. I've been sitting here the whole time thinking about my choices, your choices, and I, I don't see a correlation. It might be staring me in the face.
0: Only one per author
1: oh okay and sure I, and
0: I had to impose that rule because look I could have filled this list with Malcolm Hogg stories if I really <laughs> wanted to by the time I've got Invasion of the Dinosaurs the Sea Devils and um, Colony and Space on that list along with the um, the, the cave monsters that, that's four of the five slots gone um, you know Ian Briggs I could easily have had Dragonfire just as much as I had Curse of Fenric John Peel I could have had The Chase Power of the Daleks Evil of the Daleks Terrence Dix. I could have mm-hmm. had The Order Invasion. I could have had The Abominable Snowman. I'll, I, another example of Dick's, I'll come back to it because it makes another point. But, but yeah, the, the hard part for me was ranking all of those really good books. And mm. so imposing a one per author limit, I thought, added some diversity and, and gave us something else to talk about.
1: Well, you know what? I think if someone's out there listening and they don't have any target novels, if you went out and bought these nine that we've recommended... I think you would have a great start to a target novel collection. It would just be awesome, actually.
0: It really would. It really would. Uh, Interesting point. Mm -hmm. Three of the four Season 7 stories made our list.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. And frankly, Inferno could have as well if I was having multiple Terence Dixes. In fact, if I was doing top five Terence Dixes, I would have had Inferno as well. Incredible. So that's pretty impressive. Um, Hartle Um, and Pertwee with three each.
1: Yeah, I'm seeing that mythmakers and massacre for me,
0: and no toms. No, and you know why it is
1: because Tom's from that Terence Dicks churn them out era.
0: Because Tom's from that Terence Dicks <laughs> churn them out era, and and it is it is kind of unfortunate. You look at all these great Tom stories, and they were just like we have got a big commercial hit on our hands right now. Get these books out of the Tom Baker era; those back three or four seasons most of those books were out within 12 to 18 months of them being broadcast. I don't think we really appreciate now how quickly they were churning out those season 16, 17, 18 books. Mm. Uh, and if it wasn't Terence Dix churning them out, it was Ian Martyr occasionally doing some of them, and his are some of the standouts, or Philip Hinchcliffe no- no- novelising some of them again very, very quickly. And, yeah, I think it's a real shame that most of the Tom novels fall after that early target one where we're really throwing everything into the range or that later target era where we're taking the time to make this a really big non-page count limited thing. Mm-hmm. And um, mm. yeah, look, you, you see the results there. There are no Toms on this list.
1: Well, you mentioned Ian Marder. What what do you think of my idea? Because I, I really don't know what other people think, but it's my perception that Ian Marder is the forgotten man of target novels.
0: He is. I can remember a Doctor Who trivia night once where the question was, who wrote the second most number of Target books? And mm-hmm. everyone was scratching their heads, going, "Well, it's not Terran Sticks. Oh, is it? Hulk is it?" And it was Ian Marta. He was the yeah. answer. And people remember his books really well: The Rescue, Enemy of the World, uh, The Ark in Space, The mm-hmm. Ribos Operation, Earth Shock. As you said, they're all really good, strong books. And he does write in a slightly more grown-up way. He does try to add things to the script. Sometimes it's different spellings. Sometimes it's extra scenes. Yep. I agree. He's a really, really good author. Mm. A novel I thought about having on here, and then I realized it wasn't quite on topic, is The Space Pirates. Now, that's because the topic is the five top, and I don't think mm-hmm. it's in the top, but if you ask me which book most enhanced a story, mm-hmm. I would say Terence Dix's novelization of The Space Pirates does and look i'll defend the space pirates i don't think it's as bad as most people say but it is a weaker story it's certainly a weaker Trouton, but it's a really really good book
1: having read it in the last 12 months or so i would offer that it rattles along and it's it's so much quicker than the tv story
0: yeah absolutely i think that the novelization is the story that robert holmes would have written if he'd been a little bit more experienced in television and and quite knew how to write for television at the time.
1: Mm, That's very fair. Quick one I want to bring up with Remembrance of the Daleks and Fenric in the mix is that influence of Peter Darville Evans. You know, you love the NAs, Dave. I know you love the NAs. Do you love Peter Darville Evans coming in and doing all this stuff, not just with the NAs but with Target novels too?
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are so many great McCoys from that era. Um, Ghost Light, I don't like the story, but I love the book. Mm. Battlefield, I enjoy the story. I really love the book. Um, even even Time of the Rani, although it goes in a very different direction, you can again see Pip and Jane Baker have been given a freer hand to do a little bit more with their story. And that's you know, really effective. But also at the same time, you've got Ian Marta writing The Rescue and turning a, a two-episode little closet story into mm. a big, big target novel. You've got stuff like... The massacre, as you mentioned, those later books, yeah, there's there's a really strong influence there, and the, the the start and the end of these this range was just spectacular, and we've got references. I mean, you know, cave monsters, autons from the start, and a lot of stuff from the end.
1: Yeah, I think Peter Darville Evans is one of the unsung heroes of Doctor Who.
0: I think he absolutely is. I think he absolutely mm. is. He he clearly loved the show. He clearly loved working on the show, and the way in which in both his target books and his virgin new and missing adventures he did create a proper universe in which mm. doctor who worked and then then also commissioned non-fiction books to to expand that as well i think he's uh yeah that's a really good call Robert, a really good call all right
1: Shall we end on that?
0: We should end on that because we are out of time. <laughs> oh, we could talk about the targets at length. Many, oh hell yeah, any fan that grew up in our era absolutely could. It's a big part of Doctor Who fandom. So yep. I enjoyed talking about that. But mm-hmm. I reach once again into Turley's How to Wrestle On, and right. we have another topic, which I think will give us a lot of um, a lot of uh, options. I predict one definite snap, but maybe no others. We'll see. Yeah. It is top five. Companions.
1: Oh. Wow. Across all of Doctor Who?
0: Across all of Doctor Who. There are no caveats on this one, so Blimey. Lots of choices. That's why I think there might only be the one snap, because we have so many. And I'm gonna write down here on my desk Yeah what I think that snap's gonna be. Okay. And I'll put it aside for when we record in the future.
1: Wow, okay.
0: But until then we'll make some more lists next month. I've been Dave. And I've been Rob. And we'll speak again soon. Bye. Bye.